where we're thinking about tonight, living with your wife according to knowledge, or maybe better translated, living with your wife in an understanding way. And those of us who've been married any length of time really know that you you won't have this nailed down after three marriage retreats. Right, Nick? Uh, in fact, I'm still trying to nail it down after 45 years of marriage and literally still learning how to do this, seeing where I fail at times. And so it's an amazing reality. But Peter, 1 Peter 3, if you want to look at it, addresses this, living with your wife in an understanding way. 1 Peter 3, 7. The apostle writes, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Live with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together the grace of life in order that your prayers may not be hindered. Even the, just the phrase, think about it, Living with your wife. The all, all the nuances and realities and, and tree branches that would grow out of that big trunk of living with your wife. Uh, or have you learned a lot more about marriage since we stood outside that beautiful day of East Texas and you you gave some of the most beautiful wedding vows I could I could remember ever knowing, hearing. A lot. I feel like I still have a lot more to So, right. Living with your wife. Um, so, how do you learn to live with your wife in an understanding way? Well, I want you to picture a couple of examples. In 2018, young man Alex Arnold in Yosemite National Park did the unthinkable. Without any ropes, he free climbed the 3,000-foot uh, tall El Capitan Mountain, which is mostly sheer granite. He free-climbed it, no ropes. If you haven't seen the, the documentary, watch it. It'll make your hair stand up. It almost made mine grow back. It was so, <laughs> so intense. It's an amazing thing to see. But how, how can a guy do that? Um, how can he accomplish that? Okay, think about this now. Maybe the better question is, from beginning until he was standing on top of it and had done it, what did it take for him to be actually equipped to do it? And I don't mean physical equipment. He had no physical equipment. He had light clothing on and the right kind of shoes because he was stepping on maybe two-inch pieces, ledges, as he was holding, going backwards. And so he had no equipment, but what all was involved in him being equipped to do it? This is what we have to view about learning to live with our wives in an understanding way. Or picture climbing Mount Everest and getting to the top and actually living. Um, in both scenarios, what's the single most 
collaborative factor to have success. So if you compare these two feeds to living with your wife in an understanding way, what what would have what would it have taken for those climbers to do that in essence? Anybody want to toss out ideas? Well, preparation, physical Right? Preparation. Effort. Genuine, genuine, constant preparation and focused effort. Effort. Endurance. Endurance. Patience. Patience. Determination. Right. Courage and stupidity. I was going to say <laughs> courage and stupidity. <laughs> but I mean, think about in theory, a guy. He studies climbers who climb Everest. This guy had had studied free free climbers and learned, and the theory was there. And then step by step, you begin to practice it, get down the right things you've got to be to be successful, and practice them. And it's laser focus. Um, so knowing exactly what it takes to accomplish it. And then practice, practice, practice. Being fully equipped here and here and then applying it right with your knowledge and with an understanding heart. Doing it exactly as it must be done. So it takes the right approach of knowledge, knowing yourself, knowing your wife, of growing in experience and applying properly what is necessary for you to learn to live with your wife in an understanding way. Um, So that's what we're looking at here. In marriage, the reality, and this is kind of a broad sweeping statement, living with your wife in an understanding way. If we don't do what Peter says here, we will not have a healthy marriage, pure and simple. But I believe if we do what it says here, increasingly, progressively, if we perfect the art more and more, the marriage will increase in the in the peacefulness, in the joy together, in the relationship, doing marriage right and how you relate to your wife. You know, marriage is much more important than being the most famous climber of Mount Everest. We ought to be able to do our marriages better than those guys do rock climbing or mountain climbing. Henry Smith said this before man had any other calling. He was called to be a husband. Adam and Eve, right? Marriage, isn't this true? Marriage is the perpetual test of character. And as somebody said, it's more than finding the right person it is you and I being the right person in the marriage. So how can we be the right husband in our marriage? The subject tonight that Peter has brought up is not complex, but it's it's very deep and foundational for marriage. In fact, I would venture to say if you get just this area down and you truly are hammering away at it and living it, you will have a healthy marriage. Amen, brother. We're on 1 Peter 3, 7 on. 
living with your wife in, a, in an understanding way. And the topic is living with your wife in an understanding way. All right. Um, the right understanding, it's right understanding that, that builds a right marriage. But learning what this means and putting it into practice is not easy for a lot of men uh, because it means learning to die daily, death to self continually, because you're having to learn to live not for yourself, but for, for someone else. First for the Lord and then for this woman that you've taken as your wife. It means making living with her in an understanding way the most important reality in your life as a husband. Uh, living with her with true knowledge of her, learning her, living with her in a true way that you're truly understanding her and that you are honoring her. Uh, there was an author, Ken Nair, who wrote a book, Discovering the Mind of a Woman. And in there, he identifies what he calls four marriage fallacies about women in marriage. Four fallacies about women in marriage. First fallacy, women are difficult, if not impossible, for men to understand. That's a fallacy. Second fallacy, women are normally the real problem in the marriage relationship. That's a fallacy. I would almost flip that over. I've often said men are normally the problem in a marriage relationship when there's real problems. Third fallacy, men are supposed to be the boss. And the fourth one, as a helpmate, women are inferior to men. Such false views often hinder husbands from viewing their wife properly and biblically, and thus living with them properly in a right way. So before we get into the text, I want us to briefly think about the wife being a helpmate. How would you define the wife as a helpmate in your own mind, especially if you're married? Single brothers, they probably would have a definition, but they haven't experienced it yet. Men often think of their uh, view their their wife as helpmate kind of in this way. You know, now that I'm married, she'll do the stuff I don't want to do. She's going to be a good helper. You know, the laundry, cook the meals. Um, she serves She serves her husband well. She's going to do the secondary, easier stuff. She's going to help out a good help helper, good helpmate. The meaning is far different from that. It has nothing to do with that realm the things that wives often do wonderfully. Eve was Adam's helpmate before they had intercourse, before they had children, before they ate a meal. God made her a helpmate from creation, and he gave her to Adam. She was his helpmate when she was first made for him to complete his what? incompleteness she completed him she complimented him 
Now, the, the interesting word in Hebrews, in, in Hebrew, in Genesis 2.18 for helpmate, is one short Hebrew word, E-Z-E-R, Ezer. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how I say it. E-Z-E-R, and it's composed actually of two words. One word is the word for the physical eyeball, for the eye. The second word is a picture of someone with a hatchet representing the enemy. So this word in, in uh, Genesis 2.18 is combined as a compound word and put together. The literal meaning of helpmate is one who sees the enemy. Yeah. Now, haven't you married men observed your wife many times see things that you don't see in the scenario? Yeah. She is one who sees the enemy that you don't see. And this, guys, this has a powerful meaning for your marriage if you're going to live with her in the right way. It reveals that your wife is not designed as a servant, but was designed by God to be your ally with a special role in the battles you will face in life. I've had this experience. Maybe some of you men too. You go out to dinner and, and you see an old friend and, and their wife. Maybe you've never met her. Maybe maybe uh, he's been married since you last saw him. So you, you're chatting with them for three or four minutes when you're waiting on a table. And then you go on into your table. And before the evening's over, your wife says, you know, I think, I think she's a, uh, a dangerous woman. I think she's a worldly, and because I think she was flirting with you. And the husband says, "What? <laughs> no way! I mean, she was just being nice to both of us." The wife look at looks just looks at you with that that eye or that smirk, and then six months later, you hear that that wife ran off with her boss. Your wife saw something you missed. She is the one who, who is there in your life to see and recognize the enemy that we often miss, um, that we often can't see at times. God has given us our wives' intuition often that we don't have. And I think it took me three decades of marriage for it to begin to get through my thick skull she really is seeing things. And I, I got to start listening better. Our wife is like a second set of eyes that can see danger and have depth perception. She can warn us of dangers we don't see. It means she has strengths that are meant to complete us and protect us. So to live with our wife in an understanding way is we have to see them as a powerful ally in the battles of life, who will spot dangers outside our home, danger to our marriage, dangers within your own life, that she sees things about you that you don't see. And because of her being that ally, because of her being that, that discerning helpmate who's alongside you, you will become more like Christ directly because you're married to her. If you view her in a right way, and if you live her, with her according to that knowledge. So that being said, now let's let's dig into this verse. 
verse 7, living with your wife, dwelling with your wife according to knowledge or in an understanding way. Uh, different translations translate this in different ways. The ESV and New American Standard translates it. I think I got this right. If you guys have those. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. New King James, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. The NIV, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wife, wives and treat them with respect. In all these translations, the words that obviously jump out and are the themes of it are husbands, live or dwell with, wives, with knowledge or understanding, and then honor or respect. William Hendrickson's own translation reads this way. Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wife. I I love that. Be living as a considerate person and husband as you live with your wife and treat them with respect as the weaker vessel and as heirs together of the grace of life. Now, notice it doesn't directly say we're to understand our wives, though we should more and more understand our wives. It says we're to live with them in an understanding way. So the it's on us. We're the ones to gain the understanding. We're the ones to gain the knowledge. And we're the ones that are to live in an understanding way toward our wives. So we must, in climbing this mountain of lifelong marriage, increasingly live with them in a knowledgeable and loving, understanding way as we relate to them. So I have four headings, and we'll we'll think about all of these briefly. Number one, understanding her. You're going to live with your wife, producing and seeing a healthy marriage Four ways we have to live with them. Number one, understanding her. Number two, thoughtfulness of her. Number three, honoring her. And number four, pleasing her. Now, you're not going to see that phrase, pleasing her, in in 1 Peter 3. That's coming from another text in the New Testament later. So what does it mean to live with your wife properly? Number one, growing and understanding her. It means living with her with true understanding and with application of that understanding. The the authorized version uses the word according to knowledge, but as I said, ESV and others, living in an understanding way. In essence, we learn to live with our wife by knowing, studying her and knowing her increasingly. Growing in knowledge of her Growing in thoughtfulness of her because of that knowledge. Growing in having a sympathetic heart toward her when she's struggling or when she's crying or when she's moody, etc. Growing in knowledge of her that leads to growing and showing her love and respect in how you relate to her. Growing to understand her over the years. This means continually learning to think 
in consideration of her needs, her ways, her weaknesses, her sinful tendencies, her habits, her likes and her dislikes. This is the husband's responsibility as he lives with his wife. At the heart of it, it means you you work at and you learn the art of being considerate of your wife every day and being thoughtful of her every day. The first thing I do when I get up every morning, I'm going to talk a little more about this later, is <clears throat> we're both up, okay? And I make the bed up. And you know what I'm doing as I'm making the bed up literally? I'm walking around the bed and I'm thinking of Linda. Because I know how she likes it. My bed. I'm literally thinking of her in my first action of the day. John MacArthur says this, quote, living with your wife with, an, with understanding first of all involves mutual submission. This is interesting. Prior to commanding wives to submit to their husbands, the apostle taught that we are to submit to one another in the fear of God. So a believing husband must submit to the loving duty of being sensitive to the needs, fears, and feelings of his wife. We must submit to the duty as husbands of being sensitive to the needs, fears, and feelings of our wife. In other words, a Christian husband needs to subordinate his needs to hers, whether she's a Christian or not. Close quote. And John Brown, wonderful pastor and commentator of Scotland in the 18th century, I like what he said. He said, to live with your wife with knowledge in an understanding way means to conduct yourself intelligently, wisely, and prudently as as a husband toward her. Conducting yourself intelligently, wisely, and prudently as a husband toward her. But when you look at marriages these days, how often do you see husbands conducting themselves ignorantly and foolishly toward their wives because they haven't even learned at all how to live with their wife properly. So we must study our wife and gain understanding to really know her. And as you live with her, you grow in understanding not only of her more, but you grow in understanding of how you must live with her and relate to her. Um, we we learn and we grow to understand more and more her God-given and God-planned giftings and idiosyncrasies. Who can define what an idiosyncrasy is? Is that a negative word, by the way? No. What does it mean? Particular traits, characteristics. Huh? Particular traits or characteristics. Exactly. That's right. Um, dictionary definition. It means a mode of behavior, a way of thinking peculiar to an individual. Your wife has idiosyncrasies. You as a husband have idiosyncrasies. Our church has idiosyncrasies, right? So husbands, you know, who don't learn their their wife's idiosyncrasies where you, you know how she is in season and out, 
is often just going to feel bewildered. They're going to think, I I just don't get it. I, I don't understand. Why does she do that? Why does she react like that? What did I do? That doesn't bother me. Why does it bother her? What did I do to make her cry? Why, why are you upset? And so we don't get it. When, when we're clueless, we haven't, we haven't been learning our wife enough to, in the moment, relate to her with kindness in an understanding way, even if we lack knowledge about what's going on. But we have to get it. And that's what Peter is saying here. You know, Peter was a rash guy. He was a guy who'd fall off the handle, grab a sword, go for a guy's head and just get his ear, you know, make a big promise in one breath. And 30 minutes later, he's an instrument of Satan to tempt the Lord. Peter often spoke before he thought. And I wonder how long it took Peter to get this down in his marriage. He wrote about it here. And uh, maybe after he wrote the first epistle, he told his wife, well, you know, honey, I, I put this, I put this in there. You think I've been you think I've been growing? My hypocrite product putting that in there. Uh, each wife has unique ways about her that you don't know about when you get married. Can I get a loud amen? That wasn't a loud amen, but I'll take it. <laughs> so we we have to learn our wives every day. And if if I live another five years and we make our 50th wedding anniversary, um, I'll probably sit there slobbering, <laughs> thinking, if I'm thinking right, how did she put up with me for half a century? It, it's amazing. Um, living in an understanding way speaks of being sensitive to your wife's deepest needs and you learn those. You learn what her physical needs are, her physical limitations. You learn what her emotional needs are. You learn how she thinks. You learn how she views things differently than you. You learn what she likes, what she doesn't like. You learn what triggers her being really discouraged and why she's probably discouraged. You learn this is a this is this is college, graduate school postgraduate school in the school of marriage. You have to learn your wife and, and grow in this living in an understanding with her. In other words, we have to cultivate and practice being intentionally thoughtful, sensitive, caring, and respectful. It took me a, a long time to really begin to be understanding often in the moment when I thought I was under attack and I wasn't, to be considerate in the moment when I don't want to uh, interrupt her to fix the problem, but just to live with her in the moment when she is in need. I'm still literally learning it this year into, into this year. In the second month of this year, I'm still literally learning it. So here's a couple of questions I want you to apply to yourself as, as husbands. How do you think right now you are living as a considerate husband consistently? 
on a one to 10 scale even. How are you living as a considerate husband in an understanding way? And how are you not possibly? It's our learning how we're not. It'll help us grow the most <clears throat> making progress. So first thing, living with them in an understanding way. Secondly, by honoring her, living with her, by honoring her, giving honor. Um, Peter says, showing honor as heirs together for the grace of life. That's how we're to live with our wives, living with them and giving them honor. They're to get honor placed on their lives from their husbands, treating her with honor. Like she's our queen. Like she's a person of honor who deserves dignity and respect. And that's got to come from us. But she's sure not going to get it from a bunch of little kids running around. Right, right Jonathan? She's not going to get fed honor and respect regularly. Forget what word did, did Andy Hamilton use about the kids when he first came? Pipsqueaks. Little pipsqueaks. Yeah, Andy Hamilton called them pipsqueaks. Um, she's going to get this mainly from us guys we know that and so which means we have to learn to do it it has to become an intentional cultivated practice and habit cultivating that as a husband John MacArthur calls it honoring he calls it chivalry and that's a word that's fallen on hard times isn't it chivalry like Opening the car door for her, opening a restaurant door. Forget, oh, Linda and I were going to go out for a time last night, and we walked to the car, and I was right behind her. She was, she was reaching for the car door, and I said, "Don't you take that handle?" She grinned, and I got the door open. Help, helping her put her coat on, cherishing her. Somebody's going to speak on that before long on Sunday night. Honor her life and her own person as a woman by not insisting on your own way. But instead ask her opinion of what might be good a good approach on something. Or how do you view this, honey? What what are your thoughts on how we ought to view this? And we know our wives' views aren't always correct or accurate. Neither are ours. No one in the marriage is that way. But we should, to honor our wife, we should give genuine consideration to her preference as a way of valuing her. Because she will have a better view of some things than you do at times, consistently. So you give genuine consideration to her preference as a way of valuing her. Think of James 3.17 in this context. The wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. So at times we ought to be able to say to our eyes, honey, that, that really is a better idea than what I have. That's great. Let's do that one. Willing to yield. Wisdom from above is willing to yield. 
So in marriage, you won't always see eye to eye. God didn't make us the same, male and female. And in some, I think it was, I forget which commentator said it, two people who always share the same opinion about everything won't have a balanced marriage. They won't be balanced in life. In marriage, we learn from one another. Our differences are for the purpose of listening to and learning from one another. And our wives will feel honored if they see that we are truly learning from them in different ways. Honoring her more and more as you live through the years with her. And as you do that, it comes in very practical things you learn to do and you learn not to do. There are some areas I think I've stopped doing because I finally figured out that didn't work. That's not the right way to relate to Linda. Things like never speak to others of her sins and weaknesses critically. Never criticize her in front of others. Never shame her in front of others. I mean, if our wife did that to us, it would be pretty discouraging. And for a woman, it's even more devastating. So we learn this wisdom about how to how to honor them and what not to do and continuing to honor them. Never make her feel foolish or embarrassed. But seeing her, seeing her as valuable and showing her, by example, that you view her that way. So understanding. And then secondly, honor. Number three, living with her increasingly as her companion. Be a companion. Join heirs together, Peter says. Join heirs together of the grace of life, companionship, equal partners. Do you view your wife as an equal partner in this marriage climb to Mount Everest, top of Everest? Brothers, to live with your wife properly, you have to work at cultivating companionship and friendship. Now, if, if you've never done this, it'll thrill her after she wakes up from fainting the first time you you, you start trying to do it. It, it might shock her, but it's going to thrill her heart as, as, as she sees and experience, is experiencing that you're showing her you're her closest com- companion, that you want her to be your, her, your closest confidant and a true friend. You work away at this. You think about things she enjoys doing and you do them together. Back during the pandemic, Linda would say, let's let's get up and drive out toward Aubrey and watch the find a, a country place and watch the sunrise and then have breakfast together. I say, okay. And then I've learned to start initiating some of that stuff more. And those were great memories we had because we knew we weren't going to see anybody for, you know, for days and days. So we made the most of it, companionship. Man, we cultivate this stuff intentionally. 
And it's got to come from you. It's got to come from you. So um, what I've said thus far, what we have to do to learn to live with our wife, we live with them with understanding that's growing. We live with them by learning to honor them properly and more and more. We live with them by cultivating companionship. And then finally, number four, living with with your wife in a way that pleases her. Where do I get this? Someone turn to 1 Corinthians 7 real quick. Just grab it. Who's my volunteer? Jason? 1 Corinthians 7.33, read it out loud. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. All right. The married man has earthly concerns and responsibilities that a single man does not have yet. Single brothers, you have more free time and leisure than you will ever have in your life after you marry. Right, David? (laughs) Responsibilities domestically. And so the man who's married, Paul says, cannot have undivided devotion to Christ like the single guy can, who takes off to do mission work. You know, our young friend, um, Tyler, um, man, I get the last name, who passed away, Springer, Tyler Springer. He was 30 years old, never married, and he he took so many mission trips to Indonesia, Philippines, India, all over the world. He was always going and always gone because he was free to do it. He worked hard. He had a good job. He would plan time off to go, 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 go. But when you get married, that's over, that freedom, right? And a married man must give himself to carnal things. King James uses the word carnal things, earthly things, domestic things. And here Paul says the married man has to learn to do what? Please his wife. We have to learn to please her. We have to live to please her. Obviously, this is is conditional in the context of the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom. But we must learn what she likes about everything so that we can, as a husband, leading her so that we can please her in in this earthly realms. So we learn to do the things the way she likes them being done domestically so that we can please her and make her happy. I mentioned uh, this morning or earlier about when I get up in the morning and I make up the bed, I do it exactly like she likes it done. Why? Somebody tell me. Because she likes it. Right down to the nine pillows on the bed, exactly the way she does it. And some guys say, Tom, that's just stupid. That's childish. No, it's wise. I do it because she likes it that way. Because I like to please her in these things. Um, the, the second thing I do is a, is a duo. I find her wherever she is, and she gets a hug. Not just a shoulder hug. How you doing, baby? 
No, it's a real, a real hug, a real intentional hug that, that lingers a while. And then a real kiss, a real kiss. Why do I do those two things? Let me hear it. Because she likes it. That's why we do it, guys, because she likes it. Learn to do the things regularly that she likes. I love doing the loading the dishwasher. I like to rinse the dishes and load it after a meal. And you know how I load it? I load it the way she likes it. Why do I do that? I want to hear a unison on that. Because she likes it. I reach out and hold her hand when we're sitting on the couch or while riding in the car. Why do I do it? All right. <laughs> Am I getting heckled from the from the balcony? How about this one? My clothes picked up and put up because I can't keep a room like I'm a sophomore in college anymore. Why do I pick up and put up my clothes? She likes hot tea at night. Why do I think to offer it to her? Driving home and remembering she likes cherry limeades from Sonic. Oh yeah. And I'll stop and get her one. <laughs> or sometimes I'll call her and ask her, but sometimes I won't call her and ask her. I'll just buy one and take it in and hand it to her and smile at her because she likes it. A big one for us is Wednesdays prep for the prayer meeting. We'll generally take all afternoon. And I know how she likes the setup. First, she likes the floor swift. And then she likes the front porch and the sidewalk swift. And then she wants the, so I jump in and I do a lot of it with her because she's doing other things for prep. Um, the evening snacks and help her set those up. I will follow her lead on the setup because she likes it done a certain way. Doing things she likes. So I've said, I've learned to say to her, hey, you want to take a drive to watch the sunrise? And I'll take you to breakfast. I do it because she likes it. A couple of weeks, we had been given a, a gift card to a restaurant weeks ago. And so one, I think it was Monday Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, about 12.30, I went in where she was and I said, yeah, you got anything going on tonight? No. And I said, you do now. Dress up. We'll leave at 5 p.m. We went to dinner. We had a blast. We had a, a very enjoyable time. I did it because the calendar was free and simply because I knew she would like it. And then our memorable 2021 three and a half week anniversary road trip to California. So here's the question. Why would I stop 70 times along the road, probably, over three and a half weeks, for even more pictures, and sometimes the same scenery we already have five pictures on? <laughs> when I'm ready to get to our dinner destination, but then I hear, honey, would you pull over? And I, I would, because she likes it. And the Apostle Paul would like it 
that I like to please her and do what she likes. Because he said, the married man, let him live in such a way to see that he pleases his wife. Learning what she likes in your home, on your trips, in your nightly routine, in your private times together, in your reading together. How she, down to how she likes the table set, if you ever set the table ever for a meal. And in dozens and dozens of little things. Brothers, I'm still truly learning to live with Linda in an understanding way that I might please her in a lot of ways. And when I please her in a way that pleases the Lord, we experience joy together. Well, then Peter gives us a major motive for living with our wives in this way in, in the verse. And it's a very unique one. It's almost you'd think, well, Peter, that's really a secondary motive. Because he says the reason men are to live this way with their wives is that in order that your prayers are not hindered. Now, you'd think you might write, in order that God would be glorified in order that Christ's honor will be reflected in your marriage. But Peter doesn't say anything like that, even though those things are true. He says, husbands, live with your wife in this way in order that your prayers will be heard, in order that they're not hindered. It's as if God is saying, men, my sons, if you aren't living this way in life, you want your prayers hit the ceiling. They're not going to be heard because how can you be right with me if you're not living this way towards your wife? Our seeing the Lord answer our prayers consistently is directly connected to and conditioned upon our living with our wife properly. Well, that's that's just a brief thought on that, but it's it's simply true. It's clear what he's saying. So our our spiritual relationship with the Lord and an ongoing fresh way of walking with him is directly connected to how we're treating our wife. We're not right with her when we can get it right and we are. We're not right with him. Then Peter takes up this phrase that I'm pretty sure is only found once in the New Testament and that's here. That she's a weaker vessel. Weaker vessel. <clears throat> By God's design, the wife is to be the special object of her husband's loving care and living with her properly since she is the weaker vessel. As a weaker vessel, she is under our proper authority and our protection. Scripture indicates that in several places. For example, in Jeremiah 51.30, we read, The mighty men of Babylon have ceased fighting They stay in the strongholds. Their strength is exhausted. They are becoming like women. So Babylon's army was compared to women because it was afraid. It was without strength. And it was defenseless. So we know that the New Testament doesn't portray uh, a woman as being a weaker vessel, that that's a negative thing, that that's her inferiority. No. It's not a negative thing for a woman to be a weaker weaker vessel. In making the man stronger, God has designed a wonderful partnership. 
She's not weaker intellectually. She's not weaker in giftedness or in integrity or in character or in spiritual gifts or in people skills or in organizational skills. Weaker does, doesn't mean weaker spiritually or intellectually, but generally under the two headings of what areas are, are the wives weaker, physically and emotionally often. And sometimes in a moment, in a given moment, Linda could be emotionally stronger than me, but as a pattern, women can be obviously weaker than their husbands emotionally as well. Um, and we have to learn our wives and live with them this way because we must know they are weaker in areas than us. And therefore we're sensitive to those weaker areas. So we live with her in this way because she is a weaker vessel. And we'll, that weakness will come out at times. I had, I experienced this back at Thanksgiving when I had to make a hard decision. There was somebody that was supposed to come to be with us at Thanksgiving with our family gathering. There was a person that was supposed to come and this person had real problems. And I, I knew from a distance this person was having more and more dysfunction. Well, Linda had a tender heart to want to let that person come. It might be a good influence. Might be, it's, it would be kind. And finally, the day before, I knew in my heart it would mess up our Thanksgiving day if that person came. I knew some drama would be brought in. I knew it would, it would spoil the family gathering. And I had to take a firm stand. They can't come. And she really struggled with that because she has such a heart to serve and to give and to love people. And she just really struggled with it. And I had to, I had to stand firm. Honey, I know this is right. I'm absolutely certain in my heart it's right that it will mess up our, our day with the family if, if this person's allowed. So she submitted to it and it turned out to be the right choice. So we have to know our wife is a weaker vessel at times, and we have to know how to walk with her in regard to that. So brothers, in essence, we learn this. Picture the rest of your life living with your wife, this person God gave you. You must live with her. How are you going to live with her increasing? First Peter 3 tells us, you live with her in this way, living with your wife, with knowledge in an understanding way that honors her, recognizing my wife is a weaker vessel and I have to treat her royally, just like Christ does his bride. And it's, it's not easy, brothers. It's hard. It's hard when there's hard times. It's hard when there's discouragements. It's hard when there's disagreements. It's hard when there's arguments. 
You had an arm machete. Y'all had an arm machete, Darius? Um, I would say so. You would say so. Okay. <laughs> but I'll answer. take that as a yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it comes. It happens. It's going to happen. And so, brothers, it's on us. Peter puts it on us. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. I want to close with John Brown's wonderful wisdom on this. Quote, but dwell with your wife is to associate with her as your chosen and choicest companion and confidential friend. Her presence can make your house a mansion and she can be the best refreshment for you after the work of the day. The anxieties and cares on her as a wife and mother, you endeavor to soothe and relieve. When she's happy, her husband will be happy. When she's afflicted, her husband will be afflicted. Her husband will rejoice with her when she rejoices and weep with her when she weeps. His heart will safely trust in her. And by the constant interchange of kind actions, he will increase in both her and himself that entire esteem and love, which makes all other duties easier and pleasant. So brothers, it's up to us individually to live this way. No one can make our marriage what is to be except us. Uh, you know, a new car might be built in Detroit, but the regular maintenance is on the owner of the car, right? All the time. Marriages may be made in heaven, as somebody said, but the maintenance work is up to you and I. You can't improve my marriage except by encouraging me to walk with the Lord and be the husband I can be. You can't improve mine or vice versa. It's on us individually. So may the Lord increase us in every way with that wonderful lubricant of grace, hope, love, a sound mind, and a humble heart to live with our wives in an understanding way. Amen. Well, let's pray and then we'll share. Father, we always need your help. And in this area, Peter's talking about, we need improvement in our, our living, living with our wives in a way that you prescribe. So thank you for us being able to meditate on this tonight, to think about it afresh, to take in knowledge that we need to be able to live out and apply. Help us, Lord. Pray that you'd help every marriage in this room apply this right where we are. And Lord, we, we do pray as a body of men for the single men here who will be married one day hopefully all of them, we pray together for them that these, this season of them being equipped in manhood, Lord, they would be equipped more for marriage than ever before in these days. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. Enable us by your spirit to walk in these things in our homes in a way that honors you and in a way that uh, causes us to live with our wife properly. In Christ's name.
Amen.